Developing desktop software early in my career was awesome. Once it was installed and working on a customer's computer, that was it. You mostly didn't have to worry. Then came Salesforce making software as a service. Then came Google making countless indispensable web apps we plan our lives with. You know, the ones they didn't cancel. And then came mobile apps, which still depend on back-end web services to work. It took me a long time to accept that software engineering changed from a 9-to-5 job to a 24-7 one. But that's what happens when you run code on behalf of your customers. You constantly need to know if your servers are up and working. It works on my computer was never a particularly great answer at the best of times, but now that's right out. In distributed systems, it's not enough to deploy your code correctly. It's about keeping it running correctly. This is the topic, therefore, for this week's Engineering Culture podcast, answering the question, are you up? Distributed computing is one of the most frustrating and rewarding areas of computer science. Take all the pain and joy of writing a program on a single thread, on a single computer, take that tiny spark and pour gasoline on it. At a large enough scale, the unintended consequences can become pretty disastrous. My favourite recent example happened on the 4th of October 2021 when Meta broke border gateway protocol routes to their DNS servers. No one could resolve Meta's host names to IP addresses and the social media giant disappeared from the web. What was funny about this is that Meta's own security systems depended on being able to reach Meta's DNS servers. Engineers couldn't physically get to the servers necessary to fix the issue because their security keycards stopped working. There were apocryphal stories about building security taking an angle grinder to a door later confirmed to be untrue, but it was conceded that there were physical barriers to overcome for engineers. One small operations change goes wrong and it takes one of the biggest sites on the web down for hours, causing chaos and lost revenue for Facebook and Instagram and countless businesses who depend on their platform. This is an extreme example, but goes to show that it's complex to keep a distributed software service working exactly as expected. Testing will never be enough. So when things break, and that's not if, that's when, you need to know exactly how it's broken so you can fix it as soon as possible. In many ways, Facebook is lucky. They're such a well-used platform that countless users and customers will shout instantly if their service goes down. Until you're as big as them, though, you might be broken with no one in your company realizing it. You may never find out unless your customers tell you. And trust me, when that happens, it's painful. It's crucial, therefore, that we understand if our software systems are working, and if anything is wrong, that we find out about it before our customers do. This is the first example we're going to look at of Meta software. Not Facebook's Meta, but rather the software you develop for your software. When you create a business, you write software to solve a business problem, but that's just a fraction of all the code that needs to be written. The software engineers will be writing code to automate managing the infrastructure your product runs on, code to automate deploying it to customers, code to automate testing it. And what we'll be considering this week is code to monitor the software services themselves. 
What's the easiest way to check if a website is working? Go to the website, right? The simple sites, yes, that's clearly the simplest way to validate all is well. Once a website becomes a complex app though, you need better ways of telling if every corner of the app is working exactly as expected. Think of Lincoln Tank, the operators from The Matrix, as they look at cascading green symbols fall vertically down a dark background. They're supposedly able to see more of what's going on than looking directly at the video monitor. Modern tech companies work in a similar way, with multiple different systems combining to provide easily navigable dashboards, graphs, logs, and charts that show exactly what's going on across the distributed software service. Even the most humble apps these days will generate enough metadata to fill several screens like you'd see in a NASA control room. How many people are looking at these screens depends a lot about how reliable the service is expected to be. A large part of the reason for programmatically writing code to monitor systems is that for most of the time, it's not humans. One computer program is written to monitor another. And this meta program raises the alarm when it sees something wrong like when it can't successfully reach a DNS server. Before we start talking about how one program monitors another, we need to start talking about the layers of monitoring that exist. It's not enough just to know that there is a problem. We need tools and data to help guide us specifically to where the problem is so that we can fix it. As such, there are different kinds of monitoring and each helps illuminate our understanding of a specific area. Dante had his circles of hell, we will deal with our layers of observability, and they can be every bit as grueling. Each layer is going to solve a single problem and give a fuller, more instructive answer as to whether our service is up and working exactly as expected. We'll describe each layer one at a time and why you want it, that is, what value it's providing. There are a lot of them, and the cost of implementing them all takes time and money. Startups should just begin by just looking at the first and last layers, outside-in monitoring and application logs, to give them a balance of cheap and comprehensive. Let us begin with the highest observability layer then, outside-in monitoring. This is so-called outside-in because at its simplest, we need no access to the internal workings of an internet-based service or web app. We only need to know its name. Anyone can perform outside-in monitoring on any website. You use a real-time status service, for example, Atlassian's product status page, and enter the name of the website or endpoint you want to monitor. It could be as simple as making a GET request to a host name and expecting a 200 HTTP level response. Or you could configure a more complex POST request and payload to the specific endpoint with conditions expected of what you should get in the response body. The real-time status software will send the request you define regularly, say once every minute, from multiple locations around the world. If they don't get a response from enough nodes that matches what you've indicated should be returned, the software is able to send an alert to a pre-configured individual. This form of observability combines two concepts. One is a health check and the second is a page or alert. We define the reality for what we expect under healthy conditions, and we define an escalation path, a person and method for reaching out when things aren't healthy. At its simplest, the paging alert could be an email, direct message, SMS text, or phone call, but more standard today is the use of an alerting platform such as Victorops or PagerDuty. 
These paging services turn a mobile phone into an old-school pager from the 90s used by the on-call doctor. They are the bane of software engineers' lives. We live in fear of the app launching itself loudly at 3am in the morning into a horrific, hand-picked, beeping, whooping, or worse. In addition to straightforward alert noises, paging apps aim to break the serious nature of being paged by providing light relief with barbershop quartets singing, The Server's on Fire. Regardless, despite being a pain, these paging apps are an invaluable friend of engineers. Being able to be told before anyone else that your service has a problem allows engineers the most time possible to fix the issue before customers start to notice. Outside-in monitoring covers the biggest and most catastrophic error cases. Is there a problem with DNS? Is there a problem with the load balancer? Whatever the problem, if the real-time status service you use cannot see your app or service from a location in Tokyo, London, or New York, there are two explanations. Either just your service is down, or a large part of the internet is down. In the past, I would have said, trust me, it's just your site. But in recent years, we've seen large-scale, multi-hour downtime events from the large cloud service providers. And this is essentially why outside-in monitoring is just the first stage in answering, are you up, and not the silver bullet that solves all of it. Outside-in monitoring can tell you if your customers cannot reach your service. It cannot tell you anything about why. This is what the subsequent layers of observability will help us answer. There is no cloud, just someone else's computer. The key to running a successful business is to compete on your strengths. Whether your services are run in someone else's cloud or data center, you're still abstracting away that expensive and error-prone business of maintaining and operating several server racks and network switches by paying someone else to do it for you. For a growing tech company, the default choice should be to use cloud services like AWS, GCP, Azure, or one of the next gen like Cloudflare or Fly. We might do an episode on why cloud is preferred to the slightly lower level abstraction of data centers, but for now, we'll assume you're all up in the clouds. Teaching as we are, everything about engineering culture, bootstrap from fundamentals, we can get into self-referential loops with the chicken and egg problem. To make things easier on ourselves, we're going to assume that by magic, you have working software that your software engineers have written, running as expected in the cloud. We can talk later about how it got there, but for now it's working and no, wait a second, it's just stopped working. Something has gone horribly wrong. Your outside in monitoring is still working, so the DNS resolution and the basic web app services are all fine, but parts of your application are definitely broken. It's hard to test everything using outside-in monitoring, so you shouldn't try. That should cover the most important, most obvious use cases. For everything else, the next layer of observability down is to look at cloud dashboards. That might be in your cloud computation admin console, but not necessarily. The cloud admin console's primary purpose is to arrange the tools you use so you can see and configure them. For example, look at all the compute instances you have, go to a different page to see the databases you have set up. What you really want as an engineer trying to answer the question, are you up, is a dashboard which summarizes the cloud assets you're running. Some useful graphs it might contain. The rate of HTTP responses coming from your web app or services load balancer partitioned by HTTP status code. The CPU and or memory usage of the compute instances running your code. 
the number of open read and write connections to your databases, a gauge showing the number of healthy nodes in a raft cluster. Most cloud services will be able to show you all that information. But that's not what they were built for. Tools like Grafana and Prometheus or Datadog have been built from the ground up specifically to create these kinds of dashboards and will integrate with standards like CloudWatch for AWS so that data can be shown in a single place. At the cloud level, we can see a few things that might be wrong with the servers which should be running our code. Maybe they're broken, maybe not. Regardless which, we're making progress in understanding what's broken and what's working. If we're still no closer to understanding where the problem is though, we need to go deeper, down into the observability layer of application metrics. Ultimately, we have to alter the very application code that runs in the cloud to emit operational metrics about what it's doing. Meta software. We augment the software that solves customer problems by writing more software to let us know how well we're serving customers. The exact things to measure will vary for each software service, but we'll recommend you get started by understanding a concept known as the golden signals. These are four specific metrics that your application should emit. Let's consider an app where people upload receipts and optical character recognition software extracts the information on the receipt to record the exact totals for accounting and invoicing purposes. The first is latency. How long does it take your service to respond to a customer request? Reasonable response times will vary with the protocol and payload size. You know yourself though that you want sub-second responses when interacting with a web or a mobile app. You might measure how fast the HTTP responses are for the web app, how long the requests are to log in or serve the page where the receipts are uploaded. There might be a part of the app that queues workers for processing receipts, where here we expect the computation to take slightly longer, say several seconds. The second is traffic. How many concurrent requests from your users is the system dealing with at any one time? Are there predictable daily peaks and troughs? Does a rise in traffic correspond to a poor performance in other metrics? We could measure the total number of web requests or the number of user sessions. We might have another measure for the number of concurrent receipts being processed. The third is errors. What's the error rate of your service? How many receipts cannot be read? Are the errors your fault or the users? For example, a 500 versus a 400 level error. If you're seeing lots of client errors, how could you help your customers to stop sending bad requests? Finally, the fourth metric is saturation. This is a measurement of when your system is at breaking point, not just when performance starts to go bad, but when the service stops working altogether. The book, The Goal by Eli Goldratt describes how every system has a bottleneck and you should know where it is. As soon as you attempt to put more load through the system than the bottleneck can handle, failure will occur. Every engineering team should know to some degree what load they cannot cope with and have a measure of when their service becomes saturated. Given a basic understanding of the first things you should measure so you know your service is working, how do you do this? What are the building blocks of getting these golden signals? Pretty much everything is built on some combination of three measurements gauges, counters, and timers. Gauges are the simpler, so let's start with them. 
The odometer showing how fast your car is travelling is a gauge. It's a point-in-time snapshot of something. Say you have a database cluster with multiple nodes powering the database. You might choose to have a gauge for how many nodes are in the cluster who are online and healthy. You might colour it green for healthy when there are five nodes, yellow for cautionary when there are three or fewer, and red for emergency when there's one or none. Counters are used to, well, count the occurrences of important events. We might have a counter for the number of receipts processed. Each plus one to a counter happens alongside the time the counter increment occurred. This allows us to aggregate over a chosen time period. Within our metric dashboard, we can look at the count of processed receipts over one hour or one month. The dashboard will choose an appropriate time boundary, for example, one minute or maybe one day, into which it bunches the count totals. Timers are similar to counters in that they record the occurrences of something. For example, we could look at the process receipts again. Alongside the fact an event occurred, however, we will also record the time taken for the event. Because not all events are the same, some will happen fast and others will be slow, we need to understand a little bit about statistics to properly interpret the aggregation of our timer events. Unlike counters, which can be bunched together easily, we want to partition our timed events into buckets of similar duration. For popular applications, the number of events could be in the millions or billions per day. That's a lot of data to store. We want to create a histogram of bucketing the timer values into evenly spaced percentiles. Let's say we want to know what the 50th percentile timer is, the, the median, as well as the 95th percentile timer, that is, the timers which are slower than the fastest 95% of other timers. In order to show the 95th percentile, we need buckets of 5%, so 20 in total. 20 multiplied by 5% is 100%. I'm going to stop here because you're either getting this or you're not, and if you're not, pure audio is not the medium to help you understand better. Allow me to conclude by saying it's important to understand the 95th or 99th percentile latency performance because that's how bad your service is for a small but real number of customers. You want to make sure that even in the worst cases, your performance is reasonable, and histograms made from timer metrics will help you understand what your customers are experiencing. The power of operational metrics is immense. You can tag metrics with additional metadata for example, a counter or a timer for an HTTP response could be tagged with a status code. You can then graph not just the number of HTTP responses or how fast they are, but also partition them as successful, 200 and 300 level responses, or unsuccessful, 400 and 500 level responses. Be careful though, because tagging metrics with too high a dimension can crash your observability stack. Say you want to partition your metrics by customer ID that's probably okay if you have a few dozen customers, but if you have hundreds or thousands, you risk an explosion of data storage and slowdown. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Metrics platform providers like Datadog, AppDynamics, Supermetrics, etc. provide code libraries for APM, Application Performance Monitoring. You can instrument functions in your code to enable real-time profiling of your application code so that you can see where the errors or slowdown is occurring across your services. We haven't even touched application logs, probably the simplest and most intuitive form of monitoring to help engineers understand, what did my code do? 
The most popular open source stack for logging has its own acronym, ELK. Elasticash, Logstash, and Kibana. As always, check the show notes for links to anything mentioned here. From the layers we've talked about, outside in, cloud, application metrics, APM, application logs, you'll build up a huge number of dashboards, each telling engineers something different. You never know when you'll need an esoteric dashboard to highlight a subtle problem within your distributed service architecture. Maybe it's the queue depth of an internal cloud queue, for example, Amazon's SQS. It's usually hovering around zero, but today it's at 100,000 and rising. 99 times out of 100, you'll never need to see that graph and it will be a distraction. On that one day though, it could instantly shine a light on what the problem is. Curation of your dashboards is an art and something that your engineering teams should constantly be revising. For teams who still come to the office, it's good practice to have a single screen dashboard on a large monitor somewhere everyone can see that gives a high level overview of the full breadth of your services. Monitoring blindness is real when you have hundreds of individual graphs. Make your dashboards as simple as they can and let the operational issues shout out loudly for all to see. Having screen loads of monitoring dashboards is definitely cool. It makes engineers feel like the work they're doing is important. Look at all the flashing lights and squiggly lines. I'm keeping the International Space Station in orbit. These dashboards are essential for validating services are in good working order, but you can see how they've become addictive. Engineer time should not be spent looking at these dashboards, or at least not much time. Software is automation. We have the dashboards as a fail-safe for when stuff goes badly wrong, and we need human engineers to work out what. For the most part though, we use automation to delegate looking at the dashboards to a much more qualified competitor, another program. Say you have a dashboard that monitors error rates of requests returned from your load balancer. The load balancer takes an HTTP request from a user, executes some round-robin distribution of each request across a fleet of workers, and returns the response. Mostly, the responses are 200 OK, the most pleasing of all the HTTP status codes. But suddenly one day, something changes. The normal 200 OK responses turn entirely to 502 bad gateway. Something is wrong with the application fleet. The error rate changes from around 0.01% to 100% over the course of a few minutes. It would be folly to need to have engineers staring at that graph right at that instance, just to know that something had gone wrong with the service. This is where automated alerts come in. The same query language that defines the operational metric graph can be used to define a binary alerting condition. Over a period of one minute, if the error rate is less than 5%, all is well. If over the period of one minute, the error rate is 5% or greater, raise the alarm. The British are coming. Alerte générale. Operational monitoring tooling will have integrations to paging and alerting platforms like the ones mentioned earlier. Working together with product, engineers will agree a set of alerts which define hypothetical metric patterns that mean the product is broken for customers. How you handle operational alerts is one of the biggest yardsticks for engineering culture and one which is directly proportional to retention and employee happiness. In short, having a bad strategy around alerting is a surefire way to kill team morale and lose your best engineers. This is a subject in its own right though and one to be covered later. And just because it's you, that would be podcast episode number eight, Are You Learning? 
It's enough to say that the dashboards you create are the insurance policy when everything has gone wrong. Solid architectural patterns and alerts will take you a long way in meaning that your product works 99% of the time. And for the 1% of the time when it doesn't, you have another bit of software telling you exactly what's gone wrong. So that's it for this week. Thanks for joining us again. The two things I'd really like you to take away from this week is first, that stuff will break no matter how well you test or how reliable your hardware or software is. The best companies use a tiered set of operational monitoring services and well-curated alerts to find out when their service is broken and help them locate where. This is the first level of meta software, writing software to be consumed by your engineers, not your paying customers. It is expensive and time-consuming, and so it needs to be done at the right time. A company who has money pouring in from demanding consumers needs to be paying attention to the quality of their service. For a startup who is scrambling for customers and product market fit, exceptional monitoring can be a time-consuming and expensive distraction you cannot afford. In the levels we covered, start with outside-in monitoring and application logs. You can fill the rest in later. And secondly, monitoring is groundwork for the next subject we cover when we help you answer the question, are you available? We'll look at the idea of the number of nines a service has and what this says about your service maturity. That's it for now though. You did some awesome listening today, so go reward yourself with a biscuit. Bis dann. Tschüss.